You're listening to Sinister Sips. I'm your host, Shyla. Grab a drink if you can, sit back, and enjoy as we dive into these sinister stories. Hey there, and welcome back to another Sinister Sunday. Let's jump into today's episode. Today, I'm going to read the story of Skylar Niece. Ah, the days of high school, when we thought life was hard. The crushes, the sports, worrying about the next test, but wanting to ignore that responsibility just to go hang out with your friends. For some people, high school was something they would love to go back in time and experience again. For others, you couldn't pay them to go back. For the most part, we all had our few select friends that we were inseparable from. That was just the case for Skylar Niece. Skylar was 16 years old. She had her mother's blue eyes, ivory skin, and a dimpled chin. She was a student at the university high school, excited to enter her junior year. She excelled in her classes and was an honor student. Just like most of us, She wanted nothing more than to just hang out with her friends and have fun, especially during the summer when there wasn't any school to worry about, no upcoming assignments. Skylar made a tweet on her Twitter that said, quote, Stress will be the death of me. On July 5th, 2012, Skylar came home from her shift at Wendy's. Her parents were watching TV when Skylar got home. She kissed them both and said goodnight, just like any other regular night for the niece family. Except that the next morning, Skylar was gone. It came to be discovered that she had snuck out of her room during the night, a fairly common thing to do when you're a teenager. So, her parents tried not to worry. Later that day, they went to file a missing persons report, which was quite a task, because police believed that Since she snuck out, there wasn't any need for a missing persons report because, at the time, those and Amber Alerts were for kidnappings. The next time they would see their daughter would be on a grainy black and white video showing her sneaking out of her bedroom window with her purse over her shoulder, then getting into a car that was waiting for her. That same day, one of Skylar's best friends named Rachel went to summer camp. But her other best friend, Sheila, was there every step of the way, trying to comfort the grieving parents that were worried, as well as she was, about her best friend. There were many theories that raised quickly about what happened to Skylar, especially around the high school, but the shocking truth would finally come up to light. Skylar Niece and Sheila Eddy were best friends since they were in grade school, second grade to be exact. The girls were so close growing up that they would just walk into each other's houses freely. We all have those friends, right? I know I do. None of the parents minded. They were pretty much like sisters. The girls both attended the same high school, just north of Morgantown, West Virginia. That's where the girls met Rachel Shoff freshman year. Even though Skylar and Sheila had known each other for so long, they welcomed Rachel with open arms. Before they knew it, the trio were inseparable. 
the three girls became very close, Skylar reportedly being the emotional rock for the other two to lean on, especially since they both had divorced parents. Skylar was an only child, with parents that were very supported and always wanted their daughter to follow her dreams and be her own person. But just like any high school, there's always drama. But most don't reach the level that this high school did. Skylar's mother described a time when her daughter felt that she could really help Sheila. Quote, she thought she could save her. While discussing her daughter's friendship, quote, I would hear her on the phone giving Sheila all kinds of hell, saying, don't be stupid. What are you thinking? On the other hand, Sheila was so much fun. She was always silly and doing crazy stuff. Sheila was the fun girl of the group and Skylar's parents, Mary and David, accepted her as if she was one of their own. Rachel Shoff was the complete opposite of Sheila. She loved performing in school plays and came from a strict Catholic family. Although she was well-liked around the school and pretty popular, she idolized Sheila for some reason. Possibly bonding over their parents being divorced or Sheila's carefree, wild attitude toward life. Rachel and Skylar just didn't have the same freedom that she did. Regardless, the three were best friends for a while, but in groups of three, someone is bound to start feeling left out, especially at that age. Since entering high school, Skylar's other friends said that they saw a change in her. They believed Sheila was a bad influence. However, she believed the change had more to do with the fact that she was simply growing up. She wasn't going to jeopardize her friendship with Sheila. Interestingly, the same thing happened with Rachel. Her friends also noticed a change and told her she needed to stay away from Sheila. But she also didn't consider Sheila a bad influence and wasn't ruining that friendship. It even seemed that both Skylar and Rachel seemed to detach from everyone else to get much closer to Sheila. Police looked into social media for more clues, which revealed some definite underlying tension between Skylar, Sheila, and Rachel. On May 31st, 2012, Skylar had tweeted, quote, You're a two-faced bitch and obviously effing stupid if you thought I wouldn't find out. That spring, she had posted another tweet, quote, Too bad my friends are having lives without me. It seemed like Sheila and Rachel were becoming closer and leaving her out. It definitely didn't make Skylar feel good. But these things happen in high school. Friends fight all the time. One of their classmates named Daniel said, quote, Sheila and Skylar were fighting a lot. One time, sophomore year, me and Rachel were at practice, and Rachel had her phone to her ear. She was laughing. She was like, listen to this. Sheila and Skylar were fighting but Skylar didn't know that Sheila had put her on a three-way call with Rachel listening in. The scenario is too familiar to a Mean Girls movie with Sheila Eddy as Regina George. Back at the mysterious disappearance of Skylar, the unclear security camera footage shows Skylar getting into a sedan near a dumpster early July 6th. They knew that she had snuck out, but it just made no sense as to why she didn't return home. They knew she didn't run away because she had no reason to. 
On top of that, she left her cell phone charger, toothbrush, and several other things that she would have needed if she didn't plan to return. Later that day, Sheila called Mary and David Neese worried about Skylar. Mary said, quote, she proceeded to tell me that her, Skylar, and Rachel had snuck out the night before. They had driven around Star City, smoked a bit, and dropped Skylar back off at home. She continued saying that they had dropped her off at the end of the road because they didn't want to wake us up with her, with her sneaking back in. Sheila claimed that she and Rachel she and Rachel had picked up Skylar at about 11 p.m. and that they took her back home before midnight, but the surveillance video showed otherwise. The grainy footage showed that Skylar actually left her apartment at 12.30 and the car pulled away at 12.35, before never being seen again. Sheila and her mom helped with the search efforts to find Skylar on July 7th. Meanwhile, Rachel still went to the Catholic summer camp for two weeks. It was a little strange that her best friend went missing, but she continued to go on her trip. Mary Niece said that Sheila was really involved, however. She wanted to know of any new leads, continuously posted about her on her social media, pleading that she come home safe. Posts like, rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. I miss you more than you could ever know. One afternoon, she and Mary Niece sat on Skylar's bed and cried together. She was genuinely treated as part of the family. When police started to take a closer look at the girls, Skylar's father told investigators to stop harassing them. They're best friends. However, rumors were flying around school. The biggest rumor was that Skylar had went to a party and overdosed on heroin. Corporal Ronnie Gaskins was working on the case and said that he was told that Skylar had died at the party. Quote, people there panicked and they disposed of the body. With nothing else to work with, most of the investigators believed that that was the case, except for one. Star City Police Officer Jessica Colbank didn't buy it. She trusted her instincts, which said otherwise, and even called Sheila wrong. Their stories were verbatim the same. No one's story is exactly the same unless it's rehearsed. Everything in my gut was that Sheila was acting wrong. Rachel is scared to death. However, at the time, there was no evidence to make an arrest. Police continued to investigate, and Mary and David were waiting in agony until the truth about their daughter would finally come out. Social media continued to help with clues since the three best friends were very active on Facebook and Twitter. The day before Skylar went missing, she tweeted, quote, Sick of being effing home. Thanks, quote, friends. Love hanging out with you too. And the day before, she wrote, quote, You doing shit like that is why I can never completely trust you. Obviously, Skylar felt like Sheila and Rachel were leaving her out, but rumors about why were still going around the high school. Many people believed that Sheila and Rachel were lovers, and that Skylar knew about it. Maybe they wanted Skylar gone so that she couldn't tell anyone. It was later found in Skylar's journal that she did in fact witness Sheila and Rachel making out. Apparently, the girls were having a sleepover and decided to drink, so they snuck their parents' alcohol normal teenage stuff. 
However, Skylar wrote that watching Sheila and Rachel hooking up made her uncomfortable. She didn't care about their sexual orientation or anything like that. It's just the PDA makes people feel uncomfortable, especially since she's the only other person there and probably felt like a third wheel. The theory that made the most sense to investigators was that she had died of a drug overdose at the party, but her friends knew something about it. Chris Berry, a state trooper, was assigned to the case on, in August of 2012. He believed that whoever did this wouldn't be able to hide it forever. He had seen many cases where murderers literally brag about their crimes. He had a huge feeling that this was going to be one of those cases and knew that Sheila Eddy and Rachel knew something. Since there was so many rumors and speculation around the high school, Barry decided to create a fake online account, pretending to be a teenager who had attended West Virginia University in Morgantown. He added the girls on Facebook and Twitter and began to dig through everything. They scrubbed through every post on each of the girls' social media to find clues and to get an insight into Sheila and Rachel's mental states. Investigators quickly gathered that Sheila was the perky one, while Rachel was quiet and reserved. Strangely enough, though, neither Sheila or Rachel seemed to be very upset anymore that their best friend had went missing. Sheila tweeted about random things and even posted pictures of her and Rachel. A lot of the posts were odd, like Sheila's from November 5th, 2012. Quote, No one on this earth can handle me and Rachel, and if you think you can, you're wrong. Meanwhile, Sheila and Rachel started seeing things on social media that made them nervous. Some people on Twitter even accused them of murdering their best friend, and that, that, and that it's only a matter of time before they were caught. Investigators continued to Investigators continued bringing Sheila and Rachel in for interviews. Over time, the two became more and more secluded from their other friends, making them rely more and more on each other. Then they realized that the car and the surveillance video belonged to Sheila Eddy. Authorities then cross-referenced surveillance footage from nearby businesses of the of that fateful summer night. They found the same car that was at Skyler's near a convenience store in Blackstone, West Virginia, west of Star City and Morgantown. However, Sheila and Rachel both claimed they went east that night. So lies were starting to come out, and evidence began pointing at Skyler's supposed best friends being involved. Although police believed that they had something to do with Skyler's disappearance, they didn't have enough to charge them. They needed to get a confession. Sheila was eerily dealing with the situation just fine. In retrospect, it's disturbing how calm she was. Rachel, on the other hand, couldn't deal with the stress. The guilt and covering up a crime started to take a toll on her. Or at least that's what they thought. On December 28, 2012, Monongalia County Police got a 911 call from Rachel's frantic mother, Patria Schof, quote, I have an issue with a 16-year-old daughter of mine. I can't control her anymore. She's hitting us. She's screaming. She's running through the neighborhood. In the background, you could hear Rachel crying uncontrollably. Quote, give me the phone. 
no, no, this is over. This is over. And then Patricia told the dispatcher, quote, my husband's trying to contain her. Please hurry. Rachel was picked up and sent to a mental institution where she was released three days later and went into an interview with police. That's when she told them the horrifying truth. The police thought Skylar had died of an overdose, so they were expecting that full story. But when Rachel started talking, investigators were stunned. Rachel then blurted out, quote, We stabbed her. She told them about the eerie, premeditated murder of Skylar Niece. According to Rachel, this was a planned a month earlier. They were in science class when they came up with the idea that maybe they should just kill her. The plan was to carry out the murder right before Rachel left for summer camp. Things went according to plan. On the night of the murder, Rachel took a shovel from her dad's house and Sheila brought two kitchen knives along. They also made sure to bring changes of clothes, cleaning supplies, stuff like that. When they picked her up, Skylar just assumed that they were going to go riding around. They would often drive to Brave, a town nearby, smoke a little weed in the woods, and hang out. Sheila and Rachel did indeed have the pipes, as well as the knives. Even though it was hot that night, middle of the summer, Rachel and Sheila were wearing hoodies to hide the knives, but Skylar didn't notice or think anything of it. When they got to their usual smoking spot, Skylar realized that they had forgotten a lighter, so she headed back towards the car to get one. When she did, the two girls got behind her. Rachel said, on three, and they attacked Skylar. Rachel said that Skylar tried to run away, but they stabbed her in the knee so that she couldn't get very far. Skylar's last words to her so-called friends was, quote, Why? Why was certainly the big question. When authorities asked Rachel what the reasoning was for this horrific crime, she simply said, quote, We just didn't like her. How disgusting is that? Rachel also said that at a certain point, they stopped stabbing her and watched her painfully bleed to death. The girls had stabbed her at least 50 times. Now that authorities knew what had happened, it was time to see what they could get out of Sheila. When Rachel confessed, authorities kept it on the down low so that they could come up with a plan. They decided to wiretap Rachel and ask her to speak to Sheila about the crime. But when it came down to it, Rachel chickened out, showing them just how much control Sheila had over her. In January of 2013, Rachel took investigators to the woods where she and Sheila had murdered Skylar. She couldn't remember the exact location, and everything was covered in snow. Initially, they couldn't find the body, but Rachel's confession was enough to charge her with the murder. A week later, authorities finally made a break in the case when they found the 16-year-old's body, almost unidentifiable. It took until March 13th for the crime lab to officially confirm 
that it was Skylar Niece. It didn't take them long after, after that to match the blood samples in Sheila's trunk to Skylar's DNA, and on May 1st, authorities went to pick up Sheila, who had been eating at Cracker Barrel with her mom. They waited outside to arrest her as soon as she came out, charging her with first-degree murder. Lawyers didn't even want to defend either of them. Despite being 16, Sheila Eddy and Rachel Schoff were both tried as adults for their crime. After murdering their best friend in cold blood, Sheila finally pleaded guilty in January of 2014. She got a life sentence with a possibility of parole in 15 years. Rachel was found guilty of second-degree murder and a 30-year sentence. Skylar's dad, David, said that these two cruel girls did not deserve any leniency from the courts. Quote, They're both sickos, and they're both exactly where they need to be, away from civilization, locked up like animals. Skylar's parents often visit a tree in the woods in Pennsylvania that is decorated with photos of their beloved daughter. He is quoted as saying, I want to take a horrible thing that happened here and try to turn it into something good. A place that people can come and remember Skylar and remember the good little girl that she was and not the little beast that they treated her like. Skylar's family later helped pass Skylar's law which requires that the state issue ambulance alerts for all missing children, even if they aren't to, even if they aren't believed to have been kidnapped. This law might not have saved Skylar, since she was already dead before her parents realized she was missing. But the new system may help save lives by not wasting any time before sending out an Amber Alert. That's all I have on today's story of Skylar Niece. Have a good rest of your sinister Sunday. I'll see you next time. Bye.